This week's episode of the Tenth Wonder Podcast is brought to you by Netflix. Head over to netflix.com forward slash wonder to start your free trial today. Welcome to the Tenth Wonder Podcast. This is our Chapter Seventy Six for the Heroes episode, Building Twenty Six. I'm Graham. I'm Derek. And this was the third episode of Fugitives, written by Rob Fresco and directed by Sergio Mimica Gazan. But as far as our reactions, we've gotten a lot of mixed reactions. I've heard a lot of uh, reactions from both sides, from people that really loved this episode, and then a few people that just didn't like it quite as much. I think that uh, this episode made us like Luke a lot more. Siler's new friend and road trip buddy. What did you think about that? Siler's little brother. I know. I really, um, I think that uh, each episode's gotten a little bit stronger. I've enjoyed, since Fugitive started, I have enjoyed every episode subsequently more uh, from the start of A Clear and Present Danger. I, I did, I, I didn't make it, uh, I did not not make it known last week that I didn't really care for Luke. Uh, I didn't know where they were really going to go with it, and I wasn't really enjoying this little apprentice or whatever they were doing. But I, I did. I did like him a little bit better this week. I think they, they showed a little bit more human side to him. But he he, he matches wits so well with Siler. It's kind of it's, it's kind of it's yeah. nice. It's interesting to see them, you know, especially that one scene where they're kind of talking about or Siler's actually kind of giving him advice. At the diner? Yeah, at the yeah. diner. And I really enjoyed that scene. I thought that the scenes where Siler was kind of mentoring the kid were some of the strongest scenes of this I d- episode. I did like that. And when they were in the car and he was like, road trip, road trip, I was like, shut that, up. That, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Drive. Uh, among a couple of other things that we have heard from folks that maybe didn't like certain aspects of this episode, those folks are telling us that the India scenes left a lot to be desired. I think that, those undoubtedly were the weakest part of the episode. Pretty much. And I have to agree. I have to agree. I just didn't think much happened along the way of moving the story forward other than you know hey we're in india again we got this cool scenery the action i didn't i just didn't what did we walk away with my reaction was like heroes when he was in the restaurant just his hands yeah. on his head just waiting for something to happen he was disappointed and we were I watching too we were watching the episode earlier and derek said uh when it came to that scene and we saw a hero just completely uninterested and he's like oh so he doesn't like this scene either he's bored too yeah <laughs> so yeah that when you ask somebody what didn't you like about this episode they bring in the whole india aspect up and i have to agree i think that maybe more could have happened while we were out there and other than that if if there was a particular reason for us being there we might find out down the road that something important happened in india and it'll go back and kind of bolster this random trip to India a little bit. I think it'll be interesting if we hear anything else about it, other than the fact that it did kind of set Hiro and Ando on another course, told them that they have to go save Matt. It was our second painting that's come true, I guess, after Daphne getting shot. Mm-hmm. The other thing, and I think we mentioned this in the live show, is that for an episode titled Building 26, we didn't learn a whole lot of the backstory behind Building 26 as far as the hero's version of that. And 
I heard somebody, a very astute listener, once again, researched an actual Building 26 from, hang on, I'm going to pull up that email really fast. So we got an email from Steven. He said, did you guys get a chance to research the real Building 26? It has a fascinating history. Building 26 housed the Dayton Codebreakers in World War II. Check out this link. He sent us a, a link to a Wikipedia page or something. So in real life, the Building 26 was a highly secret, anonymous site where some of the most important battles of the war were fought and won. And in Heroes, it is a highly secret, anonymous site where they are fighting war against the terrorism and or heroes and stuff like that. So I didn't know there was an actual Building 26. And I don't know if naming this building, this facility, that meant that we were supposed to go and look up the old Building 26 to see how it related to the show. And just maybe an obscure reference. Maybe, but again, that was that was one of my gripes. Is I, you know, we're going to call the episode this, but all we really saw is they've got some fancy equipment, a really nice well, it sounds with cool. pictures. Yeah, building one, no building A, no building twenty six. Yes, Beeman said in his blog this week that he wanted the place to look like a place that they had moved into very quickly, and if needed, they could move out of very quickly. So that's why nothing's really tied down. They're they're on basically tables like card tables that you can mm-hmm. fold up so they could get out of there really quickly if something happened. So, uh, yeah, so that was really all we got to see was the inside of building 26, but no backstory really of it. So, but we do know now it's in Washington. We, we do. were questioning that last week. I think that shows up in the title card. It says building 26 and underneath it, Washington, Washington DC. So yeah. another thing fans emailed us about where they were kind of, you know, I wish we would have heard something about Daphne. I don't know. Would we want to? Would we want to know exactly what's happened to her right now? Other than we're yeah, we're concerned, and we want to have some answers. Is she alive or dead? Well, we didn't see any Matt really in this episode until the end, and he didn't have time to talk. So, and I thought that was a cool choice, not showing Matt, Peter, or Mohinder until the very end of the episode. That was a great cliffhanger, very good uh, scene to end the episode on. So, those were just a couple of the observations that uh, fans have sent in to us. And especially some of the things that we thought. What was what was your favorite scene, Derek? Oh my gosh, uh, we're probably going to call the same ones. Claire and Noah at the end. I don't know. Dang it, you stole mine. Well, again. I don't know. What? Okay, okay. Um, uh, Siler going back for Luke. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. I'll, that I'll give you. I'll give you because you said it <laughs> earlier tonight. I'll give you the, Noah and Claire. The slow motion walking with Luke, you yeah, know, over his shoulder. I yeah, I thought that was cool, and that was something we saw in the trailer for this episode. You're like, who is he holding? And we started to slowly piece it together while we were doing the podcast last week that something was going to happen to Luke and Siler was going to go back for him. Well, I remember in October, right after Villain started, the first set photos we saw from Fugitives were Siler in the SWAT team uniform. That was the first thing we saw right after nice. they started filming. We were like, what is that about? <laughs> so it was kind of cool to see that come to fruition. I liked how he just kind of appeared. We he he probably just kind of snuck in with them and got in the van. Yeah. But he, he just kind of appeared out of nowhere, really to them at least. Very good sneak I'm attack. Ready for him to boot up that Dell, that bloodstained Dell, and let's see what's what. A lot of product placement in that particular oh, scene. Yeah. <laughs> Dell laptop, Sprint, EVDO. I didn't car. see what truck they were driving. Probably Ford truck. That didn't look like a Maybe Nissan. Just, I don't know. I, I don't think know. they're done with the whole Nissan sponsorships on the show. But uh, other than that, uh, my scene had to have been the Claire and Noah scene. So if you're going to say something different, I go back and I say Claire and Noah. <laughs> when Noah walked in and apologized, I don't know if he 
specifically said I'm sorry, but it, it was a very apologetic. It was a very, I don't know. It's he he seemed like he was genuinely making a change. That he was genuinely sorry for the direction he's taken, and tried to communicate that to Claire. And in a way, it made Claire kind of feel bad. Made her feel bad for for really turning tur- well, turning her dad into her mom like that. She's sad that I mean I mean she's sad be- that he has done all this to cause this rift between I mean he, she's sad for him essentially yeah. in in that sense too you know now these lies have have made Sandra ask him to leave the house and 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 you know she's just upset on a series of different levels I don't think Claire thought that her actions were going to cause her father to have to leave like that I don't think she thought that far ahead and so that's what made this scene kind of really abrupt and just Oh, it hits you really hard. And then the way Jack Coleman acted it out with, I'm going to try to be a better husband, a better father, and we're going to heal these wounds. And they hug, and he's crying. And we've seen him cry before almost in, I think, Company Man. But, again, whenever whenever Claire and Noah have a scene like this together, it's just those tearjerker moments in, in Heroes that we'll remember for a long time. And... I was just, I, I really liked how they're kind of setting it up. And it really, to me, spells out exactly, because we thought we've had a bead on exactly how Noah operates as far as morally. He does what he has to do to get the job done, but he is a father. He yeah. does have a moral side. And those trailers at the end of this episode, pumping up the next episode of Heroes, which is going to be basically all about Noah and his history and sort of a an episode to get us caught up on exactly what's all behind Noah. The trailer asked, we're going to know for sure whether or not Noah is good or bad. I'm going to go ahead and guarantee we won't know for sure at the end of the episode. Yeah, true. But I've been excited for this one since for a while now. I know Aaron and Joe were talking to us about it, but they said this might rival Company Man. I hope so. Which is, which is a big deal. And that's the reason I, I liked Company Man. It was a lot of Noah heavy stuff and so this episode is being postured in a way that i'm almost more excited for it than i was for company man although i I don't want to set myself up for disappointment like that but again going back to the trailer they said are we going to know we're going to know whether he's good or bad i already know and i said that during the live show after you see this scene with claire and noah you've got to know that no matter what he does he's still a good person and you can't argue with anyone whether or not he's good or evil because he's equal, he's equal amounts of both, really. Yeah. So, well, he's one of those that we've always said does the wrong things for the right reason. So that's it for the top of the show. Let's move on to our headlines this week. We have a couple. They're all really bad headlines. It's just you know bad news left and right for uh, heroes and NBC. But you know we're holding out hope that things are going to improve. The first headline, you're probably already guessing what I'm going to talk about. NBC is still kind of lagging in the ratings week to week. Heroes did not do so well this week. Only 7.7 million viewers tuned in, while House on the same night pulled in 11 million. So that was kind of the spread. What what do we think about that? We're pulling in more than we did for Villains, though, aren't we? I think it's fluctuating a little bit. Villains dipped down pretty low, and this is dipping down pretty low. As long as you get higher than Villains, you're safe, I think. (laughs) Not saying anything bad against, against Villains, but when you get to those low spots that Villains had, I think as long as you're pulling in more than that, you're... You're flying above the radar yeah. just fine. And it's good to remember that some networks, 
and, and really great shows on other networks don't pull in more than four or five million. And those shows have been on for just several seasons. Yeah. And, but it's all about this being a NBC network show. NBC expects a lot out of its primetime shows. And so, and I don't check much other than outside of the shows that we talk about or record, I guess, for. Like, I don't know what Chuck's pulling in. Uh, Medium's been on, like, what, six seasons? I don't know what they're pulling in now back mm-hmm. after Heroes. So it'd be interesting to see what what kind of numbers those do. I mean, Thursday night for uh, NBC is always the big night with Office and 30 Rock and ER and things like that. Right. As far as Monday night ratings, NBC is still kind of struggling to get back to that dominant spot that they had with heroes and deal or no deal and things like that. They really just dominated Monday nights for a long time there back uh, last year and the year before last. So to them, it's just, they, they hate the fact that they're not controlling Mondays as much as they used to. I mean, NBC is about to make a game changing move as soon as tomorrow night. I mean, what's going on? Well, Conan is gone after tomorrow night. And then starting this summer, Leno, they're completely blocking out the, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central block of shows with Leno with his own show. So there won't be anything airing on that Wait time. Wait a second. Leno... Have is, you not heard about this? He's moving from The Tonight Show and starting a new show on NBC? Yes. I thought he was just retiring. No. They have given him a new show, but that means that anything that airs at the 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central slot on NBC no longer exists because Monday through Friday nights, Leno will be have his own show. Then your local news... Then Conan, then Jimmy Fallon. Does that not sound like a terrible, terrible idea to you as far as the prospects for Conan? They're trying to save money. But the thing is, Conan's going to go take over the Tonight Show, and he's going to take the Late Show audience with him. Mm -hmm. Everybody that watches the Late Show loves it, will follow him to the Tonight Show, which scares me because, you know, there will be those people that have been just generations long. Tonight Show fans, and we'll watch Tonight Show just because it's Tonight Show, because they were watching it back when Carson hosted and things like that. And they might not be attuned to Conan's brand of humor. You know, if they if they don't like Conan, and in, and Leno still has a show, they're going to jump from that show, Tonight Show, to Leno's new show. Yeah. To me, that sounds like a really terrible idea. They're, they're trying to save money. Uh, they said it's a very cheap show to produce. Another talk show like that. Leno fans are going to go to that, and it, it blocks out an, an hour on a five-night schedule of having to produce another show. <laughs> and essentially, it just leaves Fallon in there. to He has to kind of start up a new audience, yeah, really. completely. Although Which I'm I game. think he'll have legions of fans doing that. But And the reason they're really, I mean, when they lose ER come May, that's why they're doing this. Pretty That's their probably. big, you know, nine p.m., sh- ten p.m. show. So after right. they do that, they're right. They're, they're heading out. But anyway, since this is a Heroes podcast and not a NBC late night podcast, I guess we should pull things back on target here. NBC is still doing a little bit poorly than they usually have in the Monday night ratings, and gosh, they'd like nothing more than this than to see those numbers go up. And we'll be paying attention to them as the weeks go on. Our next headline is another just more bad news. Hulu is pulling all of its content. From the Boxy service. Now we're reporting on this because Heroes is a very strong presence on uh, Hulu, and many of you may not know what Boxy is, but it is a on-demand video service that sorts out online videos almost as if they are channels. It kind of puts them all into channels, and it's almost a replacement for cable if you have a really great internet connection. You can watch all of these online videos. 
and, and these TV shows and whatnot on the boxy service. And if you have the right hardware set up or a hacked Apple TV, you can watch all that content on your TV as well. Now, Hulu made up a huge part of the service because we all know how many TV shows are on Hulu. And it was so great to be able to pull up Boxy and watch these shows on our television downstairs or on our computers up here. And so they're pulling it, and it created this huge backlash. People are like, Hulu just doesn't get it. People want their content. They don't care who provides it and all the rights around it. They just want their content when they want it, where they want it, and whatnot. And so it just created this huge backlash. Hulu just posted a blog on their service that's sort of trying to put out the fire. They say that they were asked by their content providers, meaning NBC, Fox, ABC, and whatnot, or they were asked to not support the Boxy product, due in part perhaps because of a rights issue with their content being available or accessed via a television instead of a computer. And that's why people are mad. And we're like, people don't care. If you guys care so much about being able to watch online content on our TVs, that's the point. People are excited about that. People want to be able to watch television shows there on their TV via the internet. That's how it's all, all that stuff is moving towards that. And to have something like this pop up where a great service, great service like Hulu comes out and says, well, we've got to pull off our, our service from Boxy because you're, you're able to watch our shows on your TV through Boxy. That's what's gotten people mad. That trumps that whole Alec Baldwin commercial. That's the whole thing he says in that commercial. It's like you can watch it on your TV or your personal computer device. Well, I don't think they specifically say that in the commercial, don't but they, they hint at it. Um, they're saying that the whole argument is based on whether or not you can watch Hulu videos on a television and Boxy made it really easy to do that if you had the right setup. Could we go downstairs right now and pull up the Opera browser on the Nintendo Wii and watch Hulu? Probably not. Uh, Depends on how they had how their, their right yeah. settings. I don't know. We may get tons of emails with people saying otherwise. But to me, it just seems like people get frustrated when services like, like Hulu and a great service like Hulu comes out and says something that almost that limits our access to that content. And that's the whole point of new media and all of this, this move towards Internet, TV, and things like that. So you can imagine this being a huge deal and a huge backlash coming from it. So, yeah. The, but the encouraging thing is Hulu posted this blog post to kind of try to put out the flames. And it's really encouraging. They realize that users are mad and they're listening to complaints. And they're saying, look, guys, we hear you out because we didn't want to pull, uh, we didn't want to pull away from Boxy. And we didn't want all this backlash, but it's our content providers, which means it's the networks. And so, yeah, that, that kind of goes back to the argument that the networks still don't get it yet. Right. Still don't get this whole new media movement yet. So it's just another road bump or another bump in the road for new media. And, yeah, a lot of folks are very emotional over it. And maybe maybe all of this backlash will do something. Maybe Hulu will put its stuff back on Boxy. Our next headline is a great article that we found on uh, Google News. It, it, it is an article about heroes, and I don't want to say it's it's another another one of our depressing headlines because it's not. It's a headline called "Holding Out Hope for Heroes." Lots of H's in this headline, huh. and it's a student article from a student newspaper, the Sonoma State Star, in Sonoma State University in Sonoma, California. 
I've said that too many times now. Sonoma. Lots of H's and S's. And again, we found it uh, on Google. And this guy, Trevor Reese, wrote the article. And to me, when I read it, I just thought, man, this guy gets it. He gets what's going on right now with heroes and the fans and the fans that love the show and the fans that just don't like the show. So we want to point you guys in the direction of this article. You'll be able to find it on our website or in the AAC if you're listening to us on our AAC format. What did you think about it, Derek? No, I really enjoyed it. You handed it to me as I walked in the door, and you kind of Bible-thumped me with it. Read it. You must. Uh, Really good. And I like how you just immediately said when you handed it to me, he gets it. And he does. I think... uh, he talks about the problem, the, the strong suits that they had, the strong points they had in season one, the fact that they could be excused for season two because of the writer's strike and everything that happened, and, and how they kind of you know wrapped themselves up to that, with that, and then the corner that they kind of wrote themselves into with season three, and how they're trying to climb out of that now, and how they they've done a really good job with volume four. So, um, I think it's a, a great read. I hope we can put a link to it in the AAC or something because I think yeah. everybody we'll do that and we'll pl- I'll post it on our website to make it easier for folks to find. If you guys, if you live in and around Sonoma State University, if you know Trevor Reese, uh, tell him to email us. We'd like to. Trevor, I guess we'd like to talk to him because we're I feel like to he the gets sound it. of my voice right now. <laughs> I feel like he he gets it, and I'd love to have hit more of his opinions and uh, and bring that out onto our show if if we had the chance of talking to him. So. Yeah, be sure to read out read his article, Holding Out Hope for Heroes. And any of you guys who are student newspaper writers uh, and you write about heroes, send us your articles. We'd like to read all that stuff. It's pretty cool getting to see uh, what, what other folks are saying about heroes that may not necessarily be members of the media yet, members of the, the mainstream media yet. So I really enjoyed this article. I encourage you guys to check it out. But uh, that is all for our uh, headlines this week. Let's move on to our recap. For Building 26. When the episode starts out, Claire and her family are eating breakfast in Costa Verde. Claire gets some urgent text messages from Rebel. And after Noah sets Claire up to lie to her mom, she gets upset and leaves. And we're up in Claire's room, and Noah comes in and warns Claire about her behavior and tells her that she's been enrolled in classes at a community college, and if she doesn't go, there will be hell to pay. Claire gets another text message from Rebel telling her to go help a boy named Alex at Sam's Comics. Now we're in Building 26. Nathan shows up and says that he's asked for more funding from the government for their operation. Now we're with Siler and Luke. Siler pulls over the car because he can sense that Luke's lying to him about his father, Luke says that if Siler kills him, he'll never know where his father really is. There's a great line. He says that you're technically just a serial killer. And he's like, no, I'm not. It's not serial killing. And he's like, well, you have a pattern. You keep mementos. And he goes, okay, well, technically. technically I'm a serial killer, yeah. <laughs> great line. Uh, and then as you see them drive off, they were being spotted by a traffic cam overhead watching them. Uh, now Claire arrives at Sam's Comics in Costa Verde and convinces Alex that someone is after him. As she's talking to him, Noah walks in. And Claire has to hide Alex from her own father. Very cool way to end that and to start off the episode as far as the title card is concerned. When we come back, Claire distracts her father with the phone call, which allows Alex to escape. Claire and Alex drive off while Noah calls asking for more help. Now we're in India. Hero holds up his phone to compare Matt's drawing to where they're standing, and they're in the right place. Hero says that they have to stop a wedding. And Hero goes off to find out more, but Ando sees who he thinks might be the bride and follows her. Next, Ando speaks with the bride, and he tells her that she should just call off the wedding. The bride says that she's been looking for a sign, 
and Ando shows her his power. He kind of sparks up his hands, and she realizes that this was the sign she was looking for. And as he's doing, as Ando fired up his power, Hero walks in and realizes realizing what he's done, and says, "I'm supposed to be the sign. I'm supposed to stop the wedding. What are you doing?" And so, yeah, Ando kind of intervenes, and it really it kind of upsets Hero. Now back at Building 26, Nathan runs into a DHS agent. The Department of Homeland Security is now apparently overseeing this whole operation because of the uh, enormous amount of funding that they're being given. So the White House transferred power over the operation to Department of Homeland Security. The agent's name is Abby, and she seems very skeptical about all of this. She's like, yeah, they're magic, right? She just she doesn't seem very impressed with this. She thinks it's a very stupid idea. Nathan pulls her into another room and says that these people are very dangerous. The places that we have to hold these prisoners are not adequate. We needed more funding for that reason. And she's, she says, you're holding these people here without, you know, without treating them as human beings. You're not giving them Miranda rights or, or, or habeas corpus or whatever. And she's, she's upset. She says that she wants to see one of their prisoners. Now we join Siler and Luke as they stop for lunch at a diner in the middle of nowhere. It seems like Luke asked Siler if he likes birds because his father used to like birds. Luke talks about his father's wagon, and now Luke says that uh, Siler's father sold Siler for cash. And Siler just can't believe that his father would do this or couldn't, couldn't imagine a person doing that to his own son. And not only that, why would my father tell you that? And he's talking to Luke, and Luke says, well, maybe I reminded him of you. Now we're back in Building 26. Nathan brings Abby into one of their holding cells, the cell that's holding Tracy, and she's she's been tied to a chair, or t- and that chair's been like bolted to the ground, and she's in front of huge heaters to keep her from using her ability. And Abby is just disgusted by this, but then she realizes who is sitting in the chair. She realizes that it's Tracy Strauss. She knows who Tracy Strauss is, and she becomes just absolutely horrified and says that she's shutting down the whole operation immediately. She storms out. Now with Claire and Alex, and uh, Claire's basically giving Alex the rundown on what's happening, and she wants to know if he has an ability. She pretty much knows the answer to the question already. Otherwise, why would they be looking for him? Alex says yes, that he can breathe underwater. He says one time in high school he, he didn't have to come up for air anymore when he was swimming. I thought that was a cool way to explain the whole Aquaman abilities. Yeah, uh, Just, I didn't have to come up for air anymore. Uh, Claire realizes that they've been tracked when she sees a car drive by for the second time, so they begin to run. And Alex and Claire watch as agents uh, converge on the car. So they now were do fast. You believe me? Yeah. Uh, back in India, the bride is talking more about her groom and that he's powerful and dangerous, and that she was being forced into the marriage. Hero and Ando argue again about Hero's behavior, and the husband shows up and starts yelling at the bride. Hero tells Ando to go. And this is the board scene. <laughs> yeah. He's like, because Hero is very upset at what the way things have played out. So very sarcastically, Hero tells him, go on, Hero, go save the day. Ando walks into the kitchen uh, to talk to the groom. The groom knocks Ando out and kidnaps him. And now we're back in Costa Verde again. The hunter has called Noah. He says, do you know that your daughter's car is about two blocks away from where you're at? Noah probably didn't know this. No, no. Good lie, though. Of course I was aware of it. Yeah, she's she's in town running errands. Um and now we're with uh, Siler and Luke. Luke has used his power to mess with the guy across the room. And this is where we're talking about where Siler's kind of coaching Luke a little bit. He really, tells, really did seem like he was 
trying to give him advice. Well, he's like a, him he's like a big brother or a mentor or something. He's like, stop it. You know, you need to, you, you need to be focused and know what you want. You know, you need to know what the end game is and everything that you do. So I says that all he wants is his dad and to look him in the eyes. And Luke writes down his father's address and gives it to Siler. And Siler says, you shouldn't have done that. Now I have no reason not to kill you. Uh, but just then Siler notices that some agents are showing up and they have to leave. But uh, immediately they are ambushed. Luke distracts them while Siler escapes. Siler locks Luke out of the station wagon and drives off as the other agents abduct him. Or uh, the other agents subdue Luke. Yeah. Know. He looks back in the rearview mirror. That's the very last shot of that scene. And we're looking back like, come on, Siler. You just saw them take down Luke. What? Yeah. To me, that's when he thought, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done that. But it didn't seem like that. He played very well of being uh, very coy about what he what he was doing. Like later he had on. it all planned out. I'll come back for him, but i got to get the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're back in India. We're at the wedding. Deepak, the, the groom, says that he was going to release Ando if the wedding goes as planned. Hero interrupts the wedding anyway and says that you you can't do this. She doesn't want to marry you. You've just intimidated her into marriage. And so Deepak grabs the bride, and Hero chases after him and punches him, which was pretty awesome to see Hero do that. The drawing from earlier plays out exactly. Same framing and everything. We see that exact same frame that Matt drew out. And so Deepak says, well, that's it. I'm calling off the wedding. You're too much trouble. I can't have this anymore. And we're everyone at home is like, that was easy. This guy's supposed to be above the law, and he's just like, you're, you're too much trouble. You can have Ando back. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I, I think that just plays to most people probably didn't enjoy the India scenes. And uh, I, I don't know. Maybe further down the road we'll learn more about what all is going on in India, or we might revisit it in some way that's a little bit more interesting or tells a little bit more about the story. But for the most part, we've heard just tons of folks that just did not like that whole India storyline in this episode. Next, we're with Noah. He confronts Claire as she goes to get into her car. He's kind of found her out in the in public here. And Noah tells her that he knows she's lying. He warns her again, do you have any idea what, what will happen to you if they think that I can't control you anymore? And Claire looks back at him and says, that's the thing, Dad. You can't. She gets into her car and drives nice. away. Very cool. Now we're back at Building 26. The hunter tells Nathan that they didn't get Siler, but they did get the kid, Luke. And so now Abby walks in and hands Nathan the papers that are essentially going to shut down the whole operation. And Nathan says, can I just convince you for a second? Can I just, you, you just hear me out and I'll tell you why we need to keep this operation open. Well, meanwhile, while... While Nathan is talking to Abby, we see Tracy in the holding cell trying, or she's just struggling. She's getting out of her restraints. Eventually, Tracy escapes, and it creates just this huge uproar, and Nathan and Abby run out into the hall to find Tracy holding one of the workers. The worker fights back, and Tracy freezes him, killing him in front of Abby. So Abby has seen how dangerous these people are. To me, did it seem a little bit odd to you? that Tracy would kill someone in front of Abby and Tracy knew that Abby was about to shut down the operation. To me, I felt like, and Tracy's a very smart person. We know this. Yeah. To me, it felt like she probably knew Abby was about to shut down the whole operation. Why kill somebody in front of this person that would just justify keeping the place open? It, yeah. It seemed a little out of character for her. I don't know if she's wanting more people 
to be aware of what the situation is. It, she wants to uncover Nathan for what he is. So I think yeah. that that was sort of the end result there, trying to buy time or something. She was doing a good job of uncovering Nathan for who he is, just sitting there and being, I mean, just being restrained. I think she wants to uncover Nathan for him being a special, though. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, we felt that was a little odd that, you know, her being as intelligent as she is that or being as calculating and political, having a political mind like that, she knew what was about to happen but kind of killed this guy anyway. And I think Tucker said it best. It was almost like saying, we can fight back. We're going to fight back. Yeah. You can do this to us, but we're not going down without a fight. So, yeah, I like that that version of it too. Now we're back at Building 26 again when we come back from commercial, and Abby is a total believer now. She says that she'll give Nathan all the funding that he he'll ever need. And now we go to the Bennett house, and Sandra and Claire are talking, and Claire just can't take any more. She decides to tell her mother everything and just as that happened as just as she finishes telling her the whole situation that they didn't go look at colleges that he is actually working for some form of the government and she doesn't really understand what's all going on (laughs) Noah walks in with the indian food that they've delivered indian food (laughs) (laughs) it was just so funny like i guess the way they edited it is what makes it so funny is they that you're seeing them and they're almost crying and it cuts back to him walking yeah. in and back to them looking mm-hmm. sad and back to him going in Indian food. He walks in a very hostile situation. Yeah. So he's trying to lighten the mood. Saunders then sends Claire up to her room so that uh, she and Noah can talk and they, they pretty much have it out. While Claire sits at the top of the stairs and listens though. Uh, back at the diner, the agents have finished cleaning the scene. They hop in the van and start uh, to drive away, but something is wrong. You can kind of hear screams and noises coming from the inside, and their uh, control, wherever they are, is trying to talk Probably back to them. The, yeah, most likely. is trying to talk back to them. The doors fling open. Siler hops out the back of the car, pulls his hood off that you can see that it's him, and I love that not only is there blood on the laptop that he's carrying, but when he picks his boot up, <laughs> it's just a bloody footprint left behind on it. And he turns around and looks, and Luke is being drugged by whatever they're using on the inside. And he pulls the thing out of his nose, throws him over his shoulder, and walks off in slow motion, mind you. Very cool. Everything's better in slow motion. Now we're in Act 6, the very final act of this episode. Ando and Hero speak again in the bakery in India. This time it's at night, though. Hero says that he isn't mad at Ando, and that he guesses that this whole thing was just to show him that he can be a hero without his powers. Which uh, we've we've... We visited that that whole theme before. So, again, it, that was another thing is the people that argue the India scenes were a little weak. They're like, well, we, we've seen that before, especially with um, the Hero Ando storyline. Um, because Ando has proven before that he can be a hero without his powers and whatnot. Or be a hero despite the fact that he doesn't he didn't have powers in the past. As they're talking, though, the bride from earlier tells them that a fax came in with their names on it. So they, they look at it. And it basically has an address to somewhere in Los Angeles, and it says, Save Matt Parkman. And guess who wrote it? Rebel. Rebel is now contacting more people. This is this is more why I'm inclined to think it might be somebody from the future who knows where they were at that exact time and place. Well, I, either that or someone who knows or can see the future. Uh, but uh, we have lots of great theories about Rebel that came in this week and that this episode really sparked a lot of discussion about who it could be, and we have lots of great discussion about that in our topic 
this week. So we we encourage you to check out our topic on Revel. Graham's not letting me read. Yeah, something. I'm not letting Derek read it because it'll spoil. I want to. I want you guys he wants to hear genuine, genuine reaction, just yeah. like the spoilers from here on out. So they get this fax and it says, "Save Matt Parkman." So and that also confused us a little bit. That why would they have to go save Matt? Matt is perfectly all right. He's fine. Which I guess that could be a little bit of foreshadowing on Matt's part that something might happen to him in the next few episodes or might even happen in the next episode. And so Ando and Hero have to do something about it. Now we come back to the Bennett house. Noah walks into Claire's room. And in my opinion, this is easily the best scene in this episode. Noah tells Claire that Sandra wants him to move out of the house. And he says, well, she's right. We keep too many secrets in this house. He he says, I'm going to try to be a better person, better husband and a better father and not tell any more lies. And so, and he says, and if we work hard and be honest, then maybe we can heal these wounds. But I'll, I'll be around. He says he'll be around. And to me, that was just, when he said that, and he kind of, he's, he's holding back, <gasps> holding back tears. It's just one of those moments, man. You, you, you watch this scene and you're just like, oh, pulling at your heartstrings That's a little bit. That's good TV. That's what TV should do. It should make you, yeah. Weep. But uh, so Noah fights back tears as he and Claire hug, and uh, they play this. Uh, I want to comment on the music in this particular scene. They play the slower version of my favorite bit of music in Heroes. That the whole Claire's theme, Claire's suite on the show. Where is that score? Yeah, I want I want that Heroes score CD right now. But we haven't heard anything else about it. I'm sure we will. But the uh, the Heroes score CD should be out very soon, and I can't wait to just put Claire's theme on repeat and just listen to it all day. But uh, anyway, as Noah leaves, Claire walks over to her closet and hands a sleeping bag to Alex, whom she's been kind of hiding in the closet. But now we're back with Siler and Luke. Siler is in a new truck, we noticed. And Luke thanks Siler for coming back for him. Siler says, well, you're just lucky because I was just coming back for that laptop and you happened to be in the van. Yeah, sure. Sure, Siler. That's what we're saying. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Siler decides to shut Luke up by uh, turning on the radio and a very appropriate song came on, Psycho Killer. Psycho Killer. Can we say who it is now? Uh, yeah, the Talking Heads. The Talking Heads. One of my that favorite was, that bands was our trivia, of That all was our time. trivia question during the live show, who performed that song. But And we also mentioned our our excitement at hearing that song on Heroes because we're such huge fans of, of a movie that we... I don't know if it was the first time I heard that song. It probably wasn't the first time you heard that song. No, God, no. Um, I love the talking heads. <laughs> it was the first time I had heard that song in the movie Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. It's a almost an indie horror movie. I don't know if it's indie. Can we watch that tonight? We might. But it's a it's a horror movie put together, and it's just a different kind of horror movie. It It's a documentary film that turns into a horror movie and we love it. Like we love this movie so much. Tucker is the one that told me about it. There's really no way to explain it because the way Graham just said it, you may be thinking Blair Witch Project and it's not like that at all. No, it's not. And it's actually more of a comedy kind of comedy drama that turns into, and it's a documentary comedy drama that turns into a horror movie, straight up horror movie. And it's just, it's great. We encourage you guys to check it out. Netflix, by the way, has it. We found that out. Um, And we'll mention more about Netflix later as, I'm sure you guys know, but yeah, check that movie out. The song psycho psycho killer played at the very end of the movie. And it was a very cool moment of the movie. So that's, that's how we knew about it. But, uh, the song was psycho killer by the talking heads. If you guys are interested in going and 
downloading that song from iTunes. But in the next to last scene where we come back, Nathan confronts the hunter and he tells the hunter the name of the man who died in their hallway. He said he thought he'd like the hunter to know because of him being pretty much responsible for that guy's death. He says he knows the hunter let Tracy out. And the hunter says, or Danko justifies his actions as being just something he had to do to make sure the operation was going on. Just He justified his actions as being part of the greater good of keeping the operation going. Now we join Noah at a hotel bar in what I would argue is the second best scene in this episode, apart from the one a few scenes back. Noah's just looking just as pitiful as a man can look, and he's knocking back a few drinks and says to the bartender that he's looking for an apartment, and suddenly his vision gets a little hazy, and he, and he just kind of he can't stand upright. He falls out onto the floor, and all of a sudden Matt, Suresh, and Peter walk out from the shadows, and they tell the barkeep that they're, they'll, they'll make sure the guy gets home safely. He's had a few too many. We'll get him home. We'll make sure he gets home safe. So awesome, cool. Awesome ending scene. We enjoyed the heck out of that. And I just love the fact that we didn't see Matt, Peter, or Suresh throughout this entire episode until this scene. It made this scene so much more shocking. It's just so much more of a great cliffhanger, in my opinion. So that is all for the recap of Building 26. Let's move on to our topics this week. Welcome to our topics this week. Our very first topic is one that we're going to talk about exactly what we think Matt and Peter and Suresh are going to learn from Noah. The next episode of Heroes is entitled Cold Wars, and it will likely be almost completely about Noah in some way or another, or he will be the largest part of the story being told in next week's episode. And so I'm extremely excited about this episode because I've, always thought that Noah is one of the most interesting characters on Heroes. Anytime we get an episode that tells us anything about his past, I'm definitely, it's one of my favorite episodes. Easy. So I'm thinking Cold War has a lot of potential. But the more I think about it, the more I'm almost afraid because we don't know what they're going to learn from Noah. We don't know what Noah knows about this whole operation. We mentioned in the live show and this was one of our topics then that, you know, they've got Noah, they have Matt. Matt can use his ability to read Noah's thoughts and find out about what is going on. But what if they they get Noah and they find out that Noah's only been told the very tip of the iceberg? I think uh, certain implications go back further than what is happening with this new initiative by Nathan. I think Noah and, and, and Donko may have a past. We may find out. That would be cool. That would see, be very See, what I want to see happen is if Matt is actually pulling, is going in Noah's head, if that's how we see flashbacks. If Matt getting <laughs> these memories and these thoughts out of Noah's head are, are how we're visited to flashbacks in the episode. Is that how we went into flashbacks in Company Man? No. It was, they just happened as flashbacks. Oh, okay. They were just a storytelling device. But this I would mean, actually be a plot device where we could actually see them play out. Because the last time we had a situation where Matt was willingly or Matt was reading Noah's mind, it was in that standoff in yeah. Company Man. And, yeah, I just hope that we get some flashbacks and 
what you're saying that if Noah and the hunter have some sort of history that they work together, that they were operatives together in some sort of uh, operations, I think that would be that would easily make this my favorite episode so far this season because not only are we getting information about the hunter, but we're learning about Noah too. It would just be a a double threat. So I'm I'm excited about this next episode. But what do you think? Do you think Noah has just been given information on a need to know basis, or does he know more about what is going on in the larger picture? That's entirely positive uh, possible. Excuse me, entirely possible. But um, I don't know how they're going to fill up 42 minutes if he doesn't know anything. So I'm led to believe he knows at least some things that are going to set Peter and Nathan and Mohinder yeah. on a uh, path. I think he at least knows a few things that are going to set Matt and Peter and Mohinder on a path. Yeah, and I think the the trailer is very telling of this episode. I've only seen it a couple of times, but when Noah says, you don't know me, you don't know who I really am, and in that sort of mocking tone, cocky, yeah. really cocky about it, it's just this episode has us very excited. We want to learn more about Noah, and it's a bonus if we learn more about the hunter in the process, if somehow they had worked together in the past. What else do you think that they can learn from Noah? We might get treated to some, to them, insignificant details. To us, they may be very cool details. But I, I, there's there's so many things that that Matt can pull out. Now, are you still thinking that that Matt did that to Noah? No, I'm just saying it would have been cool. It would have been, but I think he drugged him. We had some discussion in the live show that, or we had a little vote, a little raise your hand if you think kind of deal saying do you think that they drugged noah or do you think that matt was using his ability on noah to disorient him and knock him out that way and i didn't i didn't say either way what i thought was the case because it really it was obvious that he he seemed like he was drugged it would have been cool if we had learned either way or it would, and it, and it's possible that it could have happened that way with matt using his ability you made the cool parallel that when they abducted Matt in season one. Yeah. That when Noah and the Haitian got him in a bar, kind of the same man. I thought that was a neat way. We didn't mention this in the recap, but I thought that was just a really neat gotcha kind of thing. Is if you remember back to season one, the very first time Matt ran into Noah was a similar situation. Matt was in a bar in Los Angeles somewhere and he took a drink and fell out. And after he sees the Haitian after he sees in the, the Haitian, corner. So. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really neat little parallel with this scene. If, and a lot of people probably have already forgotten about that. Well, it's neat to see Noah not always have the upper hand. Oh, yeah. Because he always has the upper hand. Well, he always seems like he's in control. Yeah. And this was another episode. He's going to gain control next week, though. Yeah. This was another episode, much like Company Man, where he was not in control of everything. I think people people like that conflict with a character that we know is in control all the time. And then we suddenly throw in that... Uh oh, he doesn't know how how to handle this situation. What's going on? And we throw it. We we did it. In Company Man, we we threw the whole wild card of not being in control as far as him being able to control what was happening around him, um, business wise, right. company wise. But this time, we threw that whole that whole angle where he can't handle what's happening around him, family wise. Well, the the cool thing about Noah is always, even when he doesn't have the upper hand, he's still two steps ahead. He knows, he, he's always got his plans made out two, three steps in advance. Mm-hmm. So, and I love how they always write for him, because I mean, there's never been 
a bad scene with him in it ever in the history of the show. There might be bad episodes. People can debate on that or whether or not, but there's never a bad scene with him yeah, and with I've Jack al- Coleman. In I've it. always said that heroes without Jack Coleman's character or heroes, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a daunting prospect to, to think about what heroes would be like without someone like Noah in the story. I just think that he's brought so much to the show and it's going to be very cool next week to learn more about him. And I just hope they do it right. I, cause if they do it wrong, which we're not saying they will, and we're not hoping they will, but if they do it wrong, it might could ruin our whole perception of Noah as a character. And that's dangerous. Well, I don't want all the answers about Noah to be revealed. I don't not. think that they will not. be, I, you know, that, that, that's a huge unfolding card trick to, to do something like that. But I, I, I do like a little reveal with my heroes. So hopefully that yeah. will be the case. So we'll be looking forward to that. Our next topic this week is, of course, a topic about Rebel. Who is the Rebel? Is this blah, it? Blah, blah. This is it. We said last week that we'd love to somehow see Micah be behind Rebel. And or we gave a bunch of possibilities. As far as what fans are thinking and what fans are sending us, that you know we would like, or they said that they would like to see either Micah, the, the Rebel person being Micah, being... Mm, who else? Who else did we name? We we mentioned Micah, Hannah. Molly. I know in the live show that night I said future hero. Yeah. Well, we mentioned Hannah in the podcast, yeah. and then we were quickly corrected by people that have really uh, thumbed through the graphic novels more than we have, and they said, "Oh, by the way, Hannah's dead technically." So, or it's like she got erased or something like that because she was already dead. Now Hannah's out of the picture, so it can either be, as far as what fans are thinking, theory-wise, it can either be Micah, Molly, or someone new altogether. Then we started getting theories this week, after this episode, the fact that the Rebel is contacting more people, and it's and it's on a much more, it's a much larger scale almost, and it seemed like Rebel knew where people were, or where they were going to be, he knew exactly where or he or she knew exactly where Alex was, Sam's comics on Buford go. That's what that message said. So people were like, well, who can be, who would be able to know where people are that have abilities? See that one I can get away with because that was his job. He's there pretty often. Now the hero and Onda one just happened to be in India, just happened to be in this bakery. Yeah. Happened to get a fax. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking. But so people, think. people are saying, well, the only, pre- the only person we know of or have met so far on the show that could say, that could locate heroes where they are at the time exactly is Molly. Mm-hmm. So that that added to the Molly thing. What if, and I love it when we get what if emails. Is this it? Yeah. I'm ready. What Hit if me. Rebel is not one person? What if Rebel is a team of people working together? I said that on the live show. <laughs> what if it's Molly and Micah working together to find heroes where they are and contact them by any means necessary. That would be cool. That was kind of the, the thought that I was leaning to when I said it the other night. Was it the last episode I said, or was it a live show? I don't remember. It was the live show because I said rebel. And in the chat, people started going R period E period. Like it stood for something when I said it. Yeah. So yeah, it was on the live show that night. I was thinking, but I not in that correlation, putting the two of those characters together. That would be cool. Yes. But I think that that is now after this episode, that's the popular theory. We get, we got so many emails with people saying, what if, what if this, what if that? But my favorite suggestion was what if it's Molly and Micah? 
Yeah. And maybe somebody else that's helping them in other ways. It could be more than one person. Rebel could just be the name that they're putting on the emails in this, in the stuff. I mean, who, who out there is actually named Rebel? You're not. No, it's just not a name. It a it's a cover. It's code, a, it's yeah. a pseudonym or it's, a, it's, it's a, it's just what they're calling themselves or, and, and I think it's important to branch out from it just being one person to being several people or being a team of people. So I think that's the next logical place to take this theory. And hopefully as we keep watching episodes, we learn more. Another aspect of the theory that we have been getting emails about, I don't know, we have to mention it because we've gotten so many emails about it, but I think that it's something I almost don't want to see happen or it could happen in a way that I think will work with this. The fact that this person could be helping Molly and Micah, because we still don't know if it's just one person or a team of people. The emails that we keep, that we keep getting are asking us to consider that rebel could be Angela. And so I'll read this email. This, it says, this is from Allison. It says, you're not even considering Angela. She's not happy with Nathan, Nathan's plan. She's always wanted specials to be kept secret. I can't see her liking that Peter is being taken. And based on her looking at those files, we know she has some kind of agenda that she's cooking up. Not to mention, who who better to warn people than uh, Angela? She can see the future when she's asleep or when she has those visions in her dreams. She's yeah. a precog. And we have that thrown into the mix, too. Could it be Angela? Could Angela be behind Rebel in some way? Or part. I don't know if I would like it if it was just Angela, if Rebel was just Angela. And I don't think it's very feasible because... Those text messages didn't look like they were sent from a very old woman with a very weird complex. And so it, it seemed like the messages were being sent from kids. So that's why it kind of looks like it's more favorable to think it's Micah or Molly. But what if Angela's helping them? Uh, I think if they needed an adult and she hasn't been in the limelight for a while, it's a lot more feasible to believe that. What if Angela is the one that's gotten it together and has enlisted the help of Molly and Micah? Yeah. Angela, if she got a hold of him before Nathan could yeah. or anybody else. Angela knows if she can see the future, so she and she definitely knows who Molly is. She was with pretty much working around uh, or knew everything about Primatech as they were using Molly as their tracking system. Right. So she could ha- she can enlist her help. Look, the company's gone. I'm not here for the company. I'm here because I want to help. What you know, I want to make sure Nathan has a very hard time pulling this off, and I want to see him his plans fail. It's good that we're talking about Rebel being more than one person. That opens up the, the, the range of possibilities a lot more than if, well, who is Rebel? What one person could be Rebel? Is it a new character? You know, I, I don't know. I, I almost don't want to see it be a new character now. I want to see... I like this theory so much that I almost want to see it happen the way it's been thought up. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know if Angela is involved at all or if she will be involved at all but that's uh that's definitely something that's going out there that people are talking about so we needed to mention it but it, yeah i i like the idea of it being molly micah uh, they're organizing some sort of effort to go against nathan's plan maybe angela's helping maybe she's not but it could be cool either way but that's all we have for our topics this week let's see what you guys are telling us over twitter and by email the Twitter message that we picked out for this week's show is uh, from Matt Jan- Jensen. Jansen? Could you discuss Alex? Yeah, his ability is sweet, but how useful could it really be? He's talking about our new Aquaman guy. A lot of folks just did not take too kindly to 
Alex, we, we just got so many emails with, we don't like that character or that his power is stupid and whatnot. You know, I, I get it. He, he's just, it's sort of another one of those teenage to or early twenties characters that have a guy that has an ability that Claire meets. And, you know, it's just one in a very long line of characters in the same situation that we've, we've had on the show. So I can, I can understand people being kind of tired of the idea of it. Um, Again, and also the guys got basically Aquaman powers, so you can breathe underwater. You know, Aquaman can do a lot more than just breathe underwater, but not really. I thought he could. He had like he when he was underwater, he was extremely strong, but not so much outside. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, he can talk to fish. That's about it. Yeah, this guy. That's probably part of this guy's power, but he hasn't discovered yet. I hope he could not talk to fish. That would be. <laughs> I hope we never ever see him use his ever ability in the ever show. ever. Um, Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he does something uh, really cool and uses his ability to do that. But uh, I don't know how much we're going to see of this guy. How much does Alex play into the rest of the fugitive story? I have no idea. Spoiler free. To, yeah, to me, it seems like he's just there. He was just there as a some sort of, of a story element for Claire in this episode to to follow Rebel's instructions and go save this guy. How much more... of uses this guy to the story after that though i think he'll stick around because we need her in another relationship maybe they won't be in a relationship maybe they'll just be friends sure no they're gonna kiss (laughs) (laughs) derek's walking out right now um by the way i think hayden panettiere and milo called it quits yes they did we didn't mention that in our headlines because most Dude, of the people that listen to this don't care. And I, I have, don't care. I have a favorite, put that out there. I don't care. I have a book that I read a couple of years ago. It's like one of my favorite new books in a while. Uh, it was written by a guy named Larry Doyle, who's a writer for The Simpsons. But they just turned it into a movie, and she's the lead in it. I had no idea. Um, it's called Hayden. I Love You, Beth Cooper. Yeah, she plays wow. Beth Cooper in it. I'll go see it. Faden's in it. Of course, most people would agree with it's me. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's about this, the geekiest guy in this high school. He get, He's Valvictorian, and at their graduation, he gets up and professes that he's in love with her in front of their entire nice. graduating class. <laughs> it's it's so funny. Nice. But all of the, the, the whole Claire being in another relationship thing, all of that aside, what do we think? What do you think about Alex? I kind of liked him. I did too. I don't know. I, just, I, I, I mean, he wasn't like the archetype. Doesn't look like one that they put her in a relationship with. Does that mean to say? I don't know. Like when you saw West, you automatically knew that they were going to put him in a relationship. But when I saw Alex, I kind of thought maybe. Well, we had maybe not. we had Zach, and Zach was kind of cool. Yeah, because of the, I guess he served this really great purpose in the first season as someone that Claire could confide to, confide all this, you know, emotion to. Because of, I mean, she sure enough couldn't talk to her father about it, right, or her mother about it. Or Lyle about it. So that's what Zach did. West was there for, I don't know why, but West was there. And once he, once he went away, we, we had this Claire character that just did not have a love interest or anything like that. And now we have Alex. Do we think it'll go that far? Well, if you were to ask Steve Glosson, he says that everybody has to be in a relationship <laughs> at some point on TV. Um, Steve Glosson has watched too much Smallville. Yeah, well, uh, I... I hope that they can just be friends. I hope there's too much going on without them just being, without them needing to be in a relationship too. Well, so that's our our initial thoughts on Alex. I'm willing to see more of Alex in the story, but I just hope that they use him in a way that doesn't distract from other things because that's the point of what they're trying to do is try to not try to tell an overall story, but not so much go off into these little directions that they that right. they've done in the past that. 
I guess some people didn't like. Of course, you know, it's arguable. A lot of people liked season two. A lot of people liked uh, the beginning of this season. And uh, to change how they're doing things is a good idea. You always want to try to keep things fresh. But, uh, yeah, don't mess with stuff that was already working. Of course, if could be argued that it wasn't working and whatnot. Uh, We've just had a pretty tumultuous time as far as uh, the popular opinion of heroes, but uh, hopefully they're going to correct it. And hopefully Alex is just not another throwaway character that it seems like they bring him on just to show off a new power. Right. Much like Maya and and We see them using abilities, but I don't really see him outside the Justice League. What good is breathing underwater going to do for you? (laughs) Who knows? Unless Building 26 is surrounded by a moat. I don't really see how this is going to help. Anyway, and maybe maybe they're using him in a different way. Maybe something happens to him and Claire has to save him or I don't know. And Claire might have to prove that she can save people even though her ability doesn't really help her be all that proactive in saving people. Right. She can just take damage. She can't deal it that that much. But yeah, so that's uh, that's sort of our thoughts about Alex. Thanks a lot for that, Matt Jansen. You guys be sure to hit us up on our Twitter, twitter.com forward slash heroes podcast. Anytime you at reply us, we have an actual, we've made a little RSS feed that we check up on. So anytime you at reply us, we can see all of those all in one spot. It's really nice. So make sure to uh, keep up with us over at Twitter and also be sure to talk back to us. We love hearing from you guys. Up next is our emails. We have an email from Kelly. She's asking, Hey guys, is there a reason that in this volume, Heroes hasn't been doing an opening or closing monologue with Mohinder? Like they have in the past. At first, I thought it hadn't been pay- or, or thought I hadn't been paying enough attention to the episodes, but I went back and checked. There are no monologues. What are your thoughts? Hmm. I think that they're just trying to do things differently. Yeah, the the, the show's got a new feel. They're trying to change up the speed, the the tempo, everything. I think that uh, they're trying some new things out. I like what the, what they've been doing. I haven't missed it. Yeah, I I haven't missed the monologue, but you know, you can't keep doing things so repetitiously and, and telling so much at the beginning and the end of each episode. I'll be honest. I got, I got kind of tired of them after a while. You know, I, I liked them, but I'm not missing them. I wasn't really like in the beginning, they were really cool because they were setting things up so yeah. well, but it's like volume two went on and everything. I was kind of like, they were just there because they'd been there. I can remember at some point them coming on and just that was my cue that Heroes was on, but I was not actively listening. I just remember hearing words and not actually knowing what was said. And so they're talking in that specific tone. Yes. And oh, it's like Howie Doody type. You know, it's time for the show. So <laughs> Oh, Heroes is on. Yay. But, but it's like, in my mind, that was the theme song. I don't actually know what he said. <laughs> but a uh, next email, I actually found it right here as hey, we were doing the show. Look I was looking there. for this email. I'm like, where did I put it? But this is from uh, Kai. It says, why are they dragging the story of Siler trying to find out who his dad is out so much? Why didn't he just use the ability he's gotten from Bridget to know the history of anything that he touches, especially when he was back at his father's uh, taxidermy place? Why didn't he just use that ability to find out all he wanted to know about his father? And I think that this, this touches back on a question that somebody asked in the Behind the Eclipse this week. Why hasn't Siler used that ability? And Aaron and Joe said... Well, he has used it. You just got to go back and watch more closely. You don't always realize when it happens. Yeah, and I think that they just kind of, I don't know, it's clever writing or just something that they're just covering. Well, we get old every time you touch something to see a flash of that 
yeah. history of that. So Especially if you of, if you saw Push, and I guess we'll talk about Push after we do the emails here. But if you saw Push, they had the same deal going on. They had these people called sniffers, and when they sniffed something, you could see in a very quick burst of images what you know who had been holding that object and all that stuff. Sort of the same thing. Uh, but yeah, some people are questioning why we haven't seen Siler use that ability. And Aaron and Joe's answer was that we have seen him use the ability. We probably just didn't realize it. Uh, but yeah, as far as why they're dragging the story out, I don't know. But it's really only two more episodes until we actually Road see. trip episodes seem to be a favorite of Siler. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't we say like he, we were going to see Siler's father like in a couple of episodes? I think so. Uh, they needed for this specific reason. They needed time to forge a friendship, a relationship. I'm not going to say friendship, but a relationship between Siler and Luke, which I think we're getting there. I don't know. I don't know what people what some people think about that, but I was willing to see Luke be sort of a an apprentice to Siler. Yeah. We've never seen that before. Well, how would Siler? Siler's had a love interest with L. We've seen that, but what does Siler do when he has someone that almost is exactly? Like him, almost, that looks up to him. That looks up to him. That respects him. I mean, how many people respect Siler? Right. I, I'm not going. I'm not going to say dragging it out. I see what you mean. I don't know who wrote the email. Kai. Uh, Kai. I see what you mean, Kai, by saying they're dragging out over several episodes because they are. But it's it's not really dragging out because they needed time to forge this bond between the two does characters. It, does it feel dragged out? I don't think so. When we usually Mexico did this doesn't. Yeah. But like in these episodes, and we've only had three so far this season, we have seen Siler in very brief glances. Yeah. I mean, I think if you put all of the Siler scenes together, it wouldn't even add up to six or seven minutes. Right. And so to me, it just doesn't feel like we've seen that much and that they've spread it out. You know, some could argue they're dragging it out, but to me, it seems like they're revealing not quite as much per episode. It's only been three episodes and we know as much as we do. So I, I don't think they're dragging it out. I think that in a, you know, five or six episodes, if we're still dealing with this, which I don't think we are, we've heard some hints that we're going to see Siler's father very soon. You know, then I'll be worried about them dragging the story out, but it's only been three episodes. How can you be dragging something out if it's only been three episodes? Right. So uh, I'm willing to learn more, but thanks. Uh, thanks for that. Kai. We, yeah, we feel like we'll see we'll see Siler use that ability more in in the future, and it'll be quite awesome. That is all for our emails and Twitter this week. Let's go ahead and mention our sponsor, Netflix. Netflix is an online DVD rental service with plans starting at four ninety nine a month. DVDs that you rent are shipped to you in about one business day. Almost nearly every movie ever made is available on there. I don't know how the exact <laughs> number, but honestly, have you ever not been able to find a movie on Netflix? I've never been able to not find anything on Netflix. Exactly, and, and they even have movies that you didn't know existed. It's yeah. like I did not know Super Mario Brothers was on <laughs> DVD until I looked. It was like it's out. It will be mine. The best movie ever made. Goomba. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> I don't know. At the time, I liked that movie. Like in the same way that at the time I liked the Mortal Kombat movie. If I go back now, I'll be like, oh my god, what a terrible film. <laughs> But yeah, Netflix, uh, you can start up a 14-day free trial over at netflix.com forward slash wonder. Plenty of time to rent a couple DVDs and check it out. You can also try out their great service called Instant Watch, where you don't have quite as many movies to go through, but they're working on it. They're getting a lot of movies on the Instant Watch. You can pull up 
any movie that is instant watch enabled and watch it on your computer. If you have an Xbox or a TiVo, you can watch it on TiVo. It is great. But once again, head over to netflix.com forward slash wonder to start your free 14-day trial. We appreciate it. You can also head over to our website, heroespodcast.com, to check out all the latest Heroes news and news about our show. Also, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash heroespodcast. You can also send us voicemails at 206-350-7159. We try to include as many voicemails as we can at the end of the show, although we've been really rushing our, our show out in the last couple of weeks and haven't been able to include as many voicemails. But we appreciate the folks that are calling in. We do listen to every single one of those. Next week's episode is Cold Wars, an episode that we hope will do a lot of explaining about Noah's past. We'll see you guys next week. Don't forget to check out our live show Monday night at 10 p.m. Pacific time. We'll see you. I'm Graham. I'm Derek. Bye. the job done. And next Monday... He knows everything that we need to know. Find out once and for all... Take him now! Is he a hero? You're unraveling things you don't understand. Or a villain? You don't know anything about me. New Heroes. (laughs) Next Monday on NBC. Alright, welcome to our spoilers. What you just heard there was NBC's official trailer for the next episode of Heroes... Cold Wars, an episode that we are hoping, once again, will tell us a lot more about Noah by way of Matt's reading into his mind, perhaps. And this trailer was, I mean, it just did a great job of kind of getting us amped up for this episode. Uh, the voiceover was really, I don't know, it was like for two and a half years. We've questioned his loyalty. You know, it was just really building it up. Get ready. <laughs> Has it really been two and a half years? This summer... But uh, I, I'm thinking, and you know, our topic, we're kind of afraid that that we might not learn a whole lot more. But I'm just excited to see anything about his history. I liked your theory about maybe the hunter playing into a little bit of his history. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Why would we name an episode Cold Wars? Maybe we're going back to the '80s. Yeah, maybe we're going back to then. Maybe Noah worked with the hunter during that time. I just, I don't know. What do you think about? It? I mean, you that was kind of a theory that you brought up. What what are your thoughts about that? I don't have anything to actually back up this theory other than the fact that I like it's a it's a it's a it's a good theory. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Every time we've seen him talk, it's kind of like they have this. He almost doesn't acknowledge him. Well, yeah. It's like they have this history already laid out. It's like they know each other. This is just another job. I think the only time we've seen they haven't talked. To each other, really twice, isn't it? This one that and much, yeah. They 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 talked on the phone in this episode, but uh, yeah, they they talked in the tent, but it wasn't that long. And when Noah talked to Nathan about him, he said, "You better put a leash on your hunter." Doesn't he doesn't yeah. refer to him by name or anything? So it's almost by the way they interact, it's almost like maybe they already know each other. 
maybe they have some sort of some sort of history. Maybe the hunter. I think this was a theory we got from from somebody. Maybe the hunter had worked for the company at some time, the same time that. Noah did in the seventies or eighties or so. Yeah. I'm just, I'm excited about this episode. I don't think I've been more pumped for an episode of heroes. It's been a long time very since long I've time. been this excited. So can't wait for Monday night. Let's go ahead and read the official description for this episode. And it's very telling as well. It's a, it's telling on a lot of levels it's, it, and almost uh spoilery for folks that were wanting to hear more about Daphne. So, Let's go ahead and read the description. It says, Head games ensue as Matt extracts the truth from HRG. Emmy Award winner Jelko Ivanek and Bree Grant guest star. Bree Grant is going to be in this episode. Dead or alive? I'm just kidding. She's mm-hmm. probably alive. <laughs> I think we're going to find out that Daphne was only struck in the shoulder, just a flesh wound. She probably passed out from the, the shock of it. and the, the shock of being surprised. I, I can't count how many emails we've gotten in the past week saying how how was Daphne shot she she can sense things and move at almost the speed of light how can how could she be caught off guard by by a bullet and you know that all goes back to the fact that she was caught by surprise she wasn't expecting to get shot she wasn't on her guard and and that also leads to the thing when, when she was shot that was so surprising to her that she wasn't able to avoid that and fainted or passed out from the shock of it. Uh, but continuing on with the official description, it says while being held hostage, HRG, which I'm still not sure why they're calling that in the description. I guess just habit. HRG is subjected to Matt Parkman's unique brand of interrogation, revealing how he became involved with Nathan's government plot to to capture those with abilities. Meanwhile, Matt's discoveries bring Peter face to face with the hunter. That is that is almost confirming your theory, sir. That is it's saying Matt's discoveries bring Peter face to face with the hunter. I don't read the spoilers anymore, so that makes me happy. Matt sees something possibly relating to the hunter and Peter confronts him. Maybe him. confronts him or maybe the hunter finds out where they are. Judging by the fact that, and I mentioned this during the live show, I don't know if we mentioned it in our topic, the fact that they've captured a government operative, essentially. The government's going to know Noah's been compromised. Do you think that that's going to bring a whole lot of heat down on Peter, Suresh, and Matt? Could, but they're, as we've seen this week, they're very lucid in where they're going. (laughs) Very good at hiding. So that's cool. That's the official description for this next week's episode. Again, I couldn't reiterate how excited we are for this episode. I'm hoping we're not let down. Of course, we never, we're never really let down. There's some things, some scenes that are not quite as exciting as we had imagined them in our heads, which I guess is part of the the bane of being podcasters. We we imagine ah. things as being way more awesome than sometimes they end up being, but I'm just pumped for this episode. So that is all I have for the general spoilers here. And Derek doesn't follow... The spoilers anymore, so that it's so cool not to. Yeah, it is. We should just cut out the spoiler section from the podcast. Now, I don't want to say that because I like <laughs> I like this. This is more of a hint. Yeah, because the trailer and the official description really is just more of a hint. I mean, other than like, like I, I'm not reading Joan Aaron's Behind the Eclipse anymore at all. Uh, I only, you know, I read those, but they're they're really good, and you know this. They're really oh, I good know they are at not giving specifics, but sometimes they do. 
And I just felt like hmm. sometimes they clarify things that probably they think people should have picked up on. That's true. Um, if I can remember, I did read parts of the Behind the Eclipse, and there wasn't anything really all that. Yeah, it wasn't that spoiler. There was a question about whether or not we would see Micah again. And they said, yeah, we're definitely going to see Micah again, which uh, fingers crossed the whole yeah. rebel thing. See, um, I like it when they go back and explain things from like a past episode, yeah. like, like they clear something up, they but do when that they quite a bit. look ahead, I don't really always, you can, you can check out the behind the clips at uh, comicbookresources.com. They have a little section uh, off to the side called behind the eclipse. And our friends, Joe and Aaron always, always every week answer some really great fan questions and are really witty about it, and they never really get uh, into specifics. And if you want another way of being pumped up for the next episode of Heroes, go check that out. It's not too spoilery, but it's like Derek said, it's like hints. So that's all we have for our spoiler section this week. We appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to join us once again at our live show, live.heroespodcast.com, on Monday night as Heroes has finished airing on the West Coast. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next time. I'm Graham. I'm Derek. Bye-bye.